Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? Hi, welcome to the Curious Folks podcast. This podcast is for those who challenge the status quo in love sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And on this episode, we're speaking with Jocelyn Silva about erogenous zones and stepping outside of the box when it comes to giving and receiving pleasure. But before we do, I need to address something that has been annoying me, (laughs) (laughs) namely my audio. (laughs) During the last few episodes, um, after listening to the show, I've been thinking, what the hell is up with my audio? And then I realized it's because I move around too much. <laughs> I'm just, I, Effie, I'm too passionate to stay in one place. And so uh, right now I am, I am, we, we should take a picture and we'll put it, we'll put it up on our Instagram so you can see. I am sitting as still as possible in front of the mic, mm. with it as close as possible to my mouth. Honestly, it helped me arrive with what is an ongoing question in my life, which is, when do I adjust who I am <laughs> for the greater good, which in this case is sitting still so that you can all hear me clearly. So I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Honestly, this is something that I have continued to think about in my professional life and my personal life. Where do I adjust for the greater good? So yeah. yeah. Have you had to do that? Have you had to tone down, amp up or make other adjustments for the greater good? I mean, for sure. And I think, I mean, before I share my story, I think, and I'm only saying this because you shared this in the podcast before, so I don't feel like I'm outing you, but I think this idea of like, you hold on to a belief that you're too much, or I should say, we have both been told we are too something, too much, too loud, too intimidating, too whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think this is probably, you know, wrapped in that, right? Like, it's like, oh, I need to sit still. Like there is an expectation to be something different than you, you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. I did a post recently on Instagram. Where I was talking about how I went to a trampoline place with my daughter mm-hmm. and we were jumping up and down and I was like screaming and jumping because when I am joyful, I make noise. Mm-hmm. And at some point my nine-year-old looked at me and she was just like disgusted. And she was like, you are so embarrassing. Like you need to stop yelling. <laughs> And I like stopped for like two jumps. I like like jumped in silence, and I was like, "No, this is terrible. I'm not going to do this. Jump somewhere else." And I continued to like squeal and jump and scream and enjoy myself. And I that's what I wrote. I was like, "Joy is not silent." And in the mm-hmm. same way, me sitting still feels <laughs> feels abnormal. But I will do it for the greater good of this podcast, everyone. I will stay still so that you can hear me and that my audio is clear. On behalf of our audience, our <laughs> listeners, our community, I thank you <laughs> for this. Um, but, you know, I mean, I get it. Listen, recently, one of my clients confronted me because they listened to the podcast and they were saying how I seem to be way more. I mean, they they are they are in the monopoly, you know, stuckness. 
Mm-hmm. Right, Mon- Monopoly mismatch, and they heard the episode where I talked about the elephant and the uh, the elephant and the dolphin, and I was like, it's just not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or actually, I should revise that. It's not that it's not going to work out. It's just not going to be what you imagine a relationship mm-hmm. looks like. Most of us, right? And and I've been working with them for now over a year. And we're working towards it. And they were like, you have a, you know, you're just so soft with us. And you actually have made your mind up. Like you, like, you take much harsher stands publicly than you do like in sessions, you know. And, you know, and that's not entirely untrue. Like I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily refuse to work with a client because they're in a polymono mismatch. Like I would work with them and see if we can get it, you know, if we can get it somewhere. I tend to be a lot less tolerant, of course, with clients rather than just like tell all the truths, like one after another, one after another. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do that in, in sessions, of course, because people are in, in the thick of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I have to bite my tongue regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, I do manage expectations and I do tell people right up when I do like a mutual assessment call that these are like, I'm not a therapist. These aren't going to be soft and gentle and cuddly. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to work there's going to be some mm-hmm. tough truths. We're going to face them together. I never claim to be right, but I will just say what I see. And then we can decide if it resonates or not. And if you're like, no, you're just making this stuff up, then I'm like, totally fine. <laughs> but I'm, you know, but have it, even though I said that stuff, I still like hold my tongue yeah. and think about like, how do I put this in a way that will get through without necessarily being too rough on people and like constantly adjusting myself mm-hmm. in sessions for the greater good for the work that we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I worked with you. I remember being annoyed with you. <laughs> as, as your client. I remember yeah. like, like you were just saying like, well, that's just not like, honestly, you would be like, well, that's just not going to work or that doesn't make sense. And I was like, yeah. well, like pouty. Well, it makes sense to me. <laughs> and then of course, like a year later, I'd reflect back and I'd be like, oh no, you were totally right. Um, well, no, but I think it's different in the case of your client. I mean, first of all, as a coach myself, honestly, someone's willingness or, you know, a couple in this case's willingness to work on something really does make a difference. And so mm-hmm. the fact that they've been working with you and doing that work and, and you're trying to figure out what's possible for them, the whole relationship by design concept is that mm-hmm. anything is possible, right? With, with consent, right. with imagination, with willingness. And so even though you may be making the statement, which I believe is true, that in a lot of cases, what we believe is possible when one person identifies with being monogamous and the other one is polyamorous may not be possible. <laughs> it, it, mm-hmm. that it does mean that you can still create a thriving relationship if you work towards right. it, which just sounds like what you're doing with them. Yes. And it's interesting that they were like, your podcast self is different. <laughs> <laughs> they were so, they were so very much like, you're so much more like, um, what's the, I can't remember the word they use, but they were essentially, they were saying I was way more harsher on the podcast, or I should say more like decisive mm-hmm. on a podcast. And that seemed, I seem way more like reasonable and softer in sessions. It was an interesting, you know, bit of the session. They were like, yeah. you're different on the podcast. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, what's interesting as you're saying that is my default, my baseline, I think is a little bit more, I was going to say aggressive, but I'm going to try to think of another word, a little more harsher, a little more real, right, a little bit more direct, I think. And so for example, I remember constantly when I was in the corporate space, I would write an email, and I would just get straight to the body of the email. Like essentially, this is what I need from you. This is what I'm going to do. These are the deadlines. Mm -hmm. And then I would go back and be like, Hey, how are you? Like I would then fill in the rest of the email around Mm -hmm. that piece. But my default is to go straight to the thing. And as a 
mom, honestly, that's really been the biggest place where I have learned how to adjust because mm-hmm. my style, I would prefer to be like, all right, Simone, put on your shoes, put on this, get your backpack, do da 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 da. And she will look at me like, you know, this is crazy. Like, like this is right, not, right, right. and I realize it's not the tone. So I'm like, hey, baby, how are you? I'm just sweet, my love. Can you go get your shoes now? And so, like, that is definitely one place where I've had to learn how to adjust what feels like my natural default setting. Honestly, it's not even to her, it's just to humanity. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> what, I, what yeah. I'm saying with all of this for people to hear me and to be right. Mm-hmm. You talk about communication is to, mm-hmm. to listen, to be understood and to understand mm-hmm. that in order mm-hmm. to do that, it takes some adjustment. Sure. Exactly. And I think that's very much in relationships too. It's, it's going back to how you want to be communicated, right? We talk about mm-hmm. as a part of the design process is, is v- like a big component of it. How do you communicate? How do you want to be communicated to? This goes from tone to timing to um, duration, the the way that you need to be approached. Like I get frust, I get frustrated if there's a lot of padding. Like if if somebody clearly has something on their mind and they're breaking it down and do the the mac praise or whatever the the praise sandwich, I'm like I just need you to get like I'm I'm, because I have like limited attention. This is clearly important. I need you to get to the important part. Otherwise, you're gonna lose me, and this is not gonna work out for us, right? And I, li- I literally posted probably maybe three days ago yeah, about doing the feedback sandwich. Exactly, exactly. Because I love it. Yeah, that's the right way. Mm-hmm. Like, I should say that's not the right way. No. That is a, a, a trusted way of communicating with somebody. Right. But it doesn't work for everybody. I mean, my wife is the same. She's just like, tell me the thing. Why are you just say straight to the, and I want you to start off with, hey, Jack, you've been doing a great job. <laughs> I really, I've been observing and I really appreciate you. And I have one small piece of feedback that I like to share, like ease me into it. But part of that is because I am a super overachiever. Anything, mm-hmm. any feedback that you're going to tell me, I have probably thought of, wrote about, analyzed, like mm-hmm. I already know. So I want to be acknowledged and appreciated for the things that I'm doing, for the work that I've done. Um, and this mm-hmm. is definitely true in relationships. Like, you know, my partner will say, we'll have an, a disagreement or something and she'll be like, all right, fine. Yes, I'm sorry and I'm like no no Mm. that doesn't that's not (laughs) you saying the words I'm sorry but your tone is not sorry (laughs) it's interesting because as direct as I would like to be I think that's also what makes me empathetic and 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 simply willing to adjust is I really do tone does matter to me approach does Mm. matter to me and so I try to keep that in mind. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I get that. I, we've had this conversation before between between us. I think we sometimes get into the, because we do so much work and we always like have a short amount of time to do a lot of work and we do. Um, and I think in those times we, because we know, at least I should say for myself, that I know that we can be direct with each other because I assume yes. the appreciation is, like the appreciation is assumed, right? Um, but it's not. Like you sh- it's meaning... I know it's assumed, but I think uh, taking those minutes uh, to to actually say it out loud is really important. Mm-hmm. And then when we had this conversation, one thing that I reflected was like, I think even if you even if you like it in the moment, you kind of dismissive of it. 
Yeah, it's true. You're right about that. When I'm like, this was really good. This was like, yep, yep, yep. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'll get to the meat. <laughs> sure. Okay. No, it's good. It's true. It's good feedback. No, you're right about that. That while I want like the soft and gushy and mushy and, and kind, I think that I do struggle sometimes with receiving it or I deflect. It, yeah. Right. People say, you look great. I'm like, ah, smoke and mirrors. Or they'll be like, yeah. you know, you did great work. I'm like, eh, it's a good day. Like, and so you're right i need to be better at at receiving it if that's what i want yeah, yeah. Like, thank you that's great yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. i had to learn that i had to learn that yeah like, like receiving receiving the like the, the, the positive feedback and then mm-hmm. being like saying thank you and sitting with the the discomfort of my like yeah. like i just took a compliment yeah. <laughs> you know yes i'm doing that now with apologies like if someone says i'm sorry as opposed to me saying it's okay just mm-hmm. saying thank you i appreciate the apology yeah, nice and that, yeah. that is also a shift. But one of the things I realized, I think we've talked about this before. My wife introduced me to this idea. We've all been taught go- the golden rule, right? That we should treat others mm. the way that we would like to be treated. And when I met her and in my work with her, she said that she lived by the platinum rule, which was higher than gold, which mm. is to treat others the way that they want to be treated. Mm. And that always really stuck with me because I realized that exactly as we're saying, where I would maybe want to do, lead off with compliments and you're like, you say, get straight to it. That mm. in emails or texts or something, I may say, or in Slack constantly, right? You and I are Slack all the time. And I'll say, we need this, this, and this, and this. Thanks, exclamation point. And my mm-hmm. thanks is like me trying to soften it to not being like, okay, I need you to go on and do this thing. I'm like, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But when I have when I when I do that with my partner, she's like, the thanks sounds really obnoxious. Can you please <laughs> not do yeah. that? Just if you're gonna tell me, just tell me the thing. But that's her platinum mm-hmm. rule. So I'm learning now. And and so essentially I think just ask the question. Like, what do people want? And yeah. do that thing. And there's something there, right? There, there are clues. I find like if you're in, especially if you're in a newish relationship and you're getting to know one another, there are a lot of clues in the way that people treat you, in the way that they want to be treated. So I think that the golden rule is what we've been taught, and and it's kind of in, almost like intrinsic. I think there's a, I think it's worth observing somebody the way that they're treating you, and then see if you can like you know gather some information from that and then present it to them you know like do you prefer um you know i'm curious how do you like to be communicated i noticed that you prefer to communicate directly to me is that is that how you like to be communicated and then that's a really good way to bring it up with people to sort of observe the way they're doing it and then reflect it back to them as like is this an indication of how you like to be treated not in a not in an obnoxious way but in 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 a real observation like checking in getting to know the other person kind of way Oh, completely true. And they can either say, you know, actually, no, this is how I want to be communicated. Or they can be like, yes, like, please, that's how I want to be communicated. In those cases, then you have an opportunity to then say, great, and this is how I like to be communicated. Exactly. Yes, I am known for someone will send me like two word text and I will respond in two paragraphs. Like you and I, (laughs) I've shared this, right? If I had more time, I would write a way longer letter. Like, like brevity is not, it's not something that I am good at. And, but that is something that I love. Like someone will tell me something. I'm like, tell me more. Like I love Mm. details. I'm curious. I want Mm. all the details. And of course I'm partnered both with folks who are highlight folks. I'm like, how was your day? Good. Anything go on? No. How are you doing? Fine. <laughs> like, like this is what I had for dinner. This is what Happy and I talked about. This is the report I'm working on. And so I think that you're right. So to so go back to the question, which I continue to ask myself is, 
am I willing to change who I am or tone down or amp up or make adjustments for the greater good? And I think the answer for me is yes. And it depends. I mm-hmm. think depend, if it is someone's platinum rule and it, it, it will help them, it'll help with communication or help them feel loved. I will make adjustments. And I realize that I do in order for that to happen, I have to carve out spaces where I am just me uncensored. For sure. Like, I can't be still all the time. I can't be quiet all the time. I can't be soft all the time. And so I do that a lot in my writing or in my presenting. Like I have to find spaces where just the inner Jackie can just be. And I Mm -hmm. think that makes it easier when I have to adjust in other spaces. Yeah. Where it gets harder is if you or anybody, me included for sure, if that adjustment somehow crosses the boundary of yours, mm-hmm. because you can make adjustments that aren't necessarily that big of a deal for you, right? I think it becomes harder when it crosses the boundary. You feel inauthentic. Right, exactly. Being authentic is, you know, I should say a boundary or a value, right? That's kind of yeah. what the, you know, and I think as long as you're not crossing a, a, a boundary or going against a value, one can, we all can make adjustments, right? And I think for the great, especially for the greater good, you know, for the good of the, the, the overall harmony of the relationship or a good audio for your podcast, like it is okay. <laughs> but if for some reason, like what needed to be done for good audio somehow really clashed with the value of yours, I think yeah. that's when you're just like, actually, no. I think that's where the line is, right? Or mm-hmm. or like, or if, if it pushed on a boundary, I think that's where the line is of like, actually, that's not where I'm going to make adjustments. I think that's when you know, because you're like, yes, and it depends. I think that depends part um, maybe mm-hmm. is when it either butts up against the boundary or goes against the value that you believe in. It's probably yeah. when it's like, actually, not then. And how much of percentage of time, if you will, that I have to make those adjustments. Mm-hmm. I have been in relationships where I was a character of myself, mm-hmm. where my representative essentially was in that relationship because I was doing all the things that I thought I should do to either be in the relationship or be successful or be whatever. Mm-hmm. And my inner me was caged. Mm-hmm. And that is not the way that I live right now. And certainly mm-hmm. that's not the way I am in my relationships. And both of my relationships really help me deeply tap into who I am and amplify who I am. And so I think because of that, there are spaces like in certain, you know, in communication of how my day is or in particular discussions where I'm, I'm willing to make those adjustments because in large part, I am just me all the time. Mm. And so I think yeah. I appreciate that level of freedom and I'm willing to adjust accordingly. True, true. And what I'm hearing in there is it's actually around sustainability. Like, how long do you need to sustain that adjustment? You know, like, you can probably sit still for the two hours that we sit to record the podcast. But probably by hour three, you're like, I think we need to take a break. (laughs) It's just not sustainable, you know. So I think that's a part of the adjustment maybe is that like, does it butt up against the boundary? Does it override a, a value? And how long it needs to be sustained are probably yeah. your, your like indicators of whether that adjustment is valid and worth it. Yeah. Everything comes down to the same things, right? Tune into who you are, know yourself, mm. know your partners, no matter what. I feel like that should be the exercise. We should just find some random topic mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you and I can drill it down to yeah. <laughs> know, know yourself, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> communication, communication, know your partners. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my point is because I love you and our listeners, I am doing my very best to, to stay. And I realize right now, as I'm saying this, I'm sitting on this 
swivel chair. <laughs> I know, you're and like, down, you're swiveling. <laughs> and you can see, so you and I are on Zoom right now, and you can see my fingers like fidgeting, yes. like in the some part of me needs to move. So yes. I will contain my body, but my energy will not be contained because I'm excited about the conversation that we're going to be having today with Jocelyn. Yes, and I celebrate that 100%. And I'm excited for this conversation too. I mean, it's interesting because we are going to talk about knowing thyself in a different way, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about the erogenous zones and we're talking about getting to know our body and especially the event, the session that Jocelyn is going to do for us on Wednesday is all about the erogenous zones that that challenges the status quo. <laughs> and honestly, it's so funny because it goes back to what we were saying. It's either, do you go straight to the point, right? Do you go straight mm. in between the legs? <laughs> or are, do you take your time? Mm. Do you do a little like, like erogenous zone sandwiching? Like touch a little <laughs> knee here, a little thigh there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am, I'm excited to talk to her. And I'm interested also, she is another queer Latina woman. Mm. And so I want to talk to her about her experience in that. So we are going to be joined by the amazing Jocelyn Silva. So Jocelyn is a sex and intimacy coach that works with women and femmes to break through their sexual shame and embrace their sex lives with confidence. With 10 years of experience as a sex educator, her favorite thing is teaching others about the beauty of sexual empowerment. She's a queer Latina from immigrant parents, and Jocelyn understands the level of shame that can be inflicted on a young girl and how that shame can bleed into adulthood. She's passionate about helping to end that cycle and to uplift new generation of sexually free badasses. <laughs> it's going to be challenging for me to keep still <laughs> during this conversation because there's so many touch points that I want to connect with her on. So we're excited to talk to Jocelyn. As one queer Latina educator and coach to another, hello. Hi. There's so few of us. I'm so happy we found each other. (laughs) Like, yay, there you are. All right. So now, because we found each other, I need to know. So please, like, start, tell us a little bit about your story, how you came upon this work, and the challenges that you likely faced along the way as being, I mean... I'm going to try my best to not insert my story because I'm sure just based on the things I went to your website, I've read your work. I really love what you're doing. There's so much about your experience that resonates with me. And so I would love for you to share a little bit about how you got to this place. Yes, absolutely. Uh, First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Like I've been super excited for this interview. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so it all started um, <laughs> when I was very young. Um, just a lot of shame. shame. Shame, 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 shame. Like growing up, um, I went to Catholic school, came through 12th grade. I never really had like a sex talk or anything like that. And so my mom is from El Salvador and my dad's from Mexico. And my mom is very Catholic. And so I was an altar server. I was a lecturer. I won the religion award in high school. I got a $500 scholarship in eighth grade for being most involved in my parish. I was a part of the Via Crucis every single year. Like I was like Miss Catholic school girl. And, um, but I experienced a lot of shame around sexuality. And it wasn't until I was like maybe... 16 that I started dating this guy who wanted to be a priest and I wanted to be a nun but we would like do things with each other and it got to a point where like I was going to confession like once a week and the priest literally had to like 
put me aside and say, you don't have to come once a week. And I was like, you don't understand. If I don't come to confession once a week, I'm going to go to hell because you don't even know the kind of shit that I'm doing. And he was like, you can come once a year, like you're fine. But that's how intense it got for me. You know, just like this fear of God that I'm going to go to hell just like for being a sexual person at 16. And then when I was 18, I had sex for the first time. My mom did not talk to me for a whole month because she was so uncomfortable with the whole situation. She found out it was a whole thing. So anyways, that's pretty much like where my inspiration comes from, from doing all of this. And then when I was around 19, my friend was like, do you want to be a part of like this collective called Coochie Los Angeles, which was a collective that like focused in like on sexual education, particularly for queer and trans people of color here in Los Angeles. And I was like, fuck yeah. From that moment on, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I fucking love it. (laughs) It was just so revolutionary for me to like sit in a room full of like 20 people and just talk about sex and like our sexual expression. And I think that was the first time I started embracing the word queer. So there's a lot more to it, but I think that that's like the gist of like the inspiration of why I do what I do. So many questions at once, Effie. I'm going to need I just need a minute. I mean, I, all I could think of was just so many parallels from your story, like this religious upbringing. It's one of the things that, you know, um, Jackie and I have very opposite experiences. I had no religious background. My parents are like these like intellectual, I wouldn't say they're atheists, but they, for us, religion was just theology. It's like something that you understood and learned about and we learned about, you know, we spoke about all the different religions and in, in this very kind of theological discussional kind of way. And then Jackie is like completely the other end, very similar to your experience of like church and thinks that she's going to burn in hell. And, you know, and she's told these stories many, many times. And, and when I'm hearing you, I'm like, yeah, I like, I've heard this before. It's hard. It's hard and harsh. Yeah. Culture and religion and family and ancestry and like there's just so many layers of things and gender and you know heteronormative behavior and misogyny like there's so many things layered onto us that make it difficult because what I hear from your story and what resonates with me is that who you are what lit you up what brought you joy was in conflict with what you were told you needed to be, how you needed to be, what you needed to be in order to be seen as successful, as pure, as, and that inner conflict to your point just creates so much shame. Talk a little bit about how you were able to strip yourself or the ongoing process of stripping yourself from that shame. Actually, I was going to ask something because you're going to answer this question. The other thing that came up for me is from what Jackie is saying is, I think we are about to do a session on this in a couple of weeks, which is that you can't be, you can't be um, faithful. Like you can't be spiritual and faithful and religious and sexually self-expressed. I think that's the thing. It's like you have to abandon faith in order to be your fully sexually self-expressed self. I think that's the other conflict. Like it's not that you you've been told that you what you're doing is wrong but you can't have it you, you essentially you're not allowed to have both you can't have faith and religion and spirituality and the community that comes with all of that and be a sexually fully self-expressed person you have to choose one or the other i think that the message is that we can't yes, yes that's what i mean that's what right. i mean the message is yes. those two things cannot live together the religion and right. and spirituality cannot live 
alongside sexuality, right? But that is actually that's not true. And it's it's interesting because actually the session, so you are gonna be joining us in the virtual curiosity salon on October 14th. And the following week, October 21st, we have an educator. Her name is Deandra Blackett Johnson, and she's gonna be doing a session on sex and spirituality and all about this conversation. And so it has been something that we constantly talk about because a lot of the work that we do and a lot of our, our curious foxes are dealing with balancing their curiosity and their authenticity and all of this noise that have told them that that is wrong. And so talk a little bit about that, about unpacking the shame. I have so much to say about everything y'all just said. Oh my God, where do I begin? Okay. So I just want to preface this by saying that I have a kick-ass relationship with my higher being, my higher power in the universe. Like I got my God box. I got stage like before this, I told my higher power, like I put this in your hands, like this, this interview goes in your hands, but it took a lot of time. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I want to go, I want to talk to what uh, Jacqueline was saying about like shame. For me, I actually, I feel very fortunate because the first time my, my first sexual experience was with this guy who was my boyfriend at 18. And I mean, like it was super beautiful. The first time we had sex, he lit candles, he lit incense, he played eighties goth music. You know, we had like Bauhaus in the background and super just like sensual and like calm. So I'm like, it's interesting because I thinking back, I think, wow, like I had this beautiful first time experience, but I was so shamed by my mom and the church about even the act of having sex. But it was consensual. It was beautiful. It was, it was so considerate and loving, right? Like I really, I did make love the first time. And so that contrasted with like, Uh, my ability to be able to like be proud and be like, Oh my God, I had sex for the first time. And it was great. And instead it was like, you had sex skirt, like, hold on. Like, that's not what we do as like a good Catholic person. So, yeah. So that was just like a huge contrast, how to keep stripping from that shame. Well, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Like Brene Brown is my girl fucking lover. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly eye-opening when I started seeing her lectures and she was talking about vulnerability and shame. And I carried so much shame around, but also something that's very um, important to my story that I don't talk a lot about, but I'm slowly, slowly getting more comfortable talking about it just because I think it's such an important part of me. And I think a lot of people can resonate and relate just like I didn't get talked to about sex, I also didn't get talked to about having a healthy relationship with sex. And so I was a sex educator for a really long time, um, you know, 10 years. You know, I started when I was 19. I'm 30 now, 11 years. And through that, I started really developing a lot of unhealthy relation, like a, a lot of unhealthy, an unhealthy relationship with sexuality. I, you know, used masturbation as a way to like escape. And um, I cheated on all of my partners and I was really manipulative and was really not expressing myself. But I like under the guise of like, I'm like a feminist, like empowered, like queer woman, like, you know, I can do whatever I want. And I really hit like a really low bottom a couple of years ago and actually got into 12 step program for sex and love addiction. And through that program learned like, oh, my relationship with sex, the way that I navigate the sex world is incredibly unhealthy. And so that's kind of when I had my spiritual awakening. And the beauty about 12-step program is how they talk to you about developing your own definition of higher power, 
for example, my higher power is not a man. My higher power is gender neutral. My higher power is queer. My higher power is sexually empowered. My higher power is compassionate and loving and funny and like has my back. And I've developed like a lot of values through this journey, like integrity and honesty and like fucking feeling your fucking feelings. Like even though like it sucks and it hurts, feeling those goddamn feelings. Goddamn feelings. And it's just been like such a journey. And I think that if it hadn't been for those dark moments in my life, I wouldn't be where I am now. And also I I do feel like those experiences have made me a better sex coach because I'm not perfect. You know, I didn't, I wasn't just like 18 and like, I am like, I got this. Like, no, I struggled and I fucked up a lot and I engaged in a lot of toxic behavior, which got me to where I am now. Yeah. That, that breaking down of the shame, it was really helpful just to be honest about people, honest to people. You know, I think we live in a society where we're not, compassion is not at the forefront of how we relate to one another. Judgment, ridiculing, and shaming is. So when we make mistakes, instead of saying, wow, why did you make that mistake? What happened? We're like, oh, you're a fucked up person. Fuck you. Right. And so just learning how to be like, compassionate like I'm human we all make mistakes it's cool how can we bounce back from this and developing this new definition of a higher being has really helped also I bring God into my masturbation and sex life after I had an orgasm I'm like thank you God that was awesome it was great thank you for giving me the ability to like express this pleasure because my higher power has given this to me so a huge shift but I was atheist for a long time but um there has been a big shift in my spiritual expression. I also bring a lot of meditation into my workshops and my work. So I will be conducting a guided meditation on the 14th because that's something that I find to be really an important part of my work with my clients. I mean, I think you answered the question that I wanted to ask, which is where where are you with God now? We also spoke about this with Marie de la Fonte, where she's, she came from a very religious background and uh, she kind of abandoned all, and like it was a toxic environment. She talks about this extensively, and she kind of where she is now is an atheist, you know, and she doesn't even acknowledge an uh, acknowledge a higher power. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So I'm always interested in where that journey is. I think with Jackie, I know you still have like you go to church or mass or. Um, I'm also ignorant about religion. I'm sorry if I say the wrong the wrong things, people. No offense to your religions, your faith, your practices. Um, I am purely ignorant about the subject, so I apologize. Well, I was going to say, they're all the same kind of thing. They're all services and they're all traditions. Everyone just wants to claim a new name for it. So, um, But no, it's your, to your point, faith is still really something that's important to me. And it took me a long time to be able to separate kind of the God of the Old Testament, if you will, and God of the New Testament or the God of my upbringing who was judgmental and punitive and the God that I believe created me and all of those feelings that I was having. And to your point around just feeling the feelings, like, my God, how many years has it taken and continues to take for me to just feel the feelings? Because when you are taught for so long that who you are, what you are feeling, what you're desiring is wrong, it takes a long time for you to be able to tap back into that in a way that feels really comfortable. Even now with my partner, I mean, there are times where like, I almost feel like I'm buckling into a roller coaster when I like... Okay, so there's this thing that I don't really want to talk about, but I really have to tell you. So, like, here it goes. And I'm, like, through tears, like, telling my partner, like, oh, this is how I feel. And, like, because the fear of rejection and abandonment is so real. 
And then the prayer looks at me and is just like, oh, like, it's fine. Like, thank you so much for telling me. And, but it's just that initial, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to feel the discomfort and the anxiety and work through it. Huge and very challenging. What I love about your story too is, is, you know, you share out that at 18, you know, no magic dust fell from the sky and you were like now the perfect educator or sex educator. And, you know, we're like the guru of sexuality that you learned via mistake that you dealt with, you know, manipulation and shame and heartbreak and all the things that human beings do. And I think that that's actually really important to share because I think that our humanity actually helps to helps us connect with others and helps us as educators, helps us as coaches, because there's so many times, I think that the folks who I work with, they work with me because I can say, oh, I get that. And I really do get that. Like, oh, I've made that mistake or, oh, I felt that distraught or, oh, I, and so I love that you finally found that that was empowering, that you have made those mistakes and lean into that in order to be able to be there for people in a way that is more human. Yeah, for sure. I think it's yeah that the idea that you can relate in that kind of yeah that happened to me too or or I screwed up too is is powerful for sure. Yeah, I'm interested in Effie and I have been talking about this recently. You you shared in your story that it took you a little while to identify as queer, and that is not a word that actually I came to easily as well. I think that my so I have a sister who is eight years younger than me, and she identifies as queer. And when she first started using that language, it felt like too, I don't know, it just didn't connect with me. It felt like either young or like, like my language, I'm almost going to be 40. And so queer was not a positive word when I was growing up. And so that was not something I wanted to identify with. And I identified as pansexual, but then people would start to say, well, but would you sleep with this person or with that person or with it? And it just felt like I had to explain myself, but it didn't really feel bisexual because it didn't feel like cisgender. And it just felt frankly, so complicated that I was just like queer, like, like that felt like a catch-all that I would have to. And then there was something about that that felt freeing that I was like, it's all the things and none of the things. Like you can't find me, um, just not straight. And so, I, and Effie and I have been talking about this because she doesn't necessarily, she's trying to figure out what language she uses for herself. So I want, I would love for Effie to share, but I want uh, for you to start with how did that word, how did you land on that word? I, I'm just interested because you named that. Yeah. Um, also, I have a 45-year-old brother who's gay, and so he hates the word queer, too. He's just like, ugh. He's like, that's what we were called in high school, and it was fucking demeaning and degrading, and I hate that word. And so even he, like, he's like, I don't understand why kids use that word nowadays. Um, but yeah, so for me, I still remember... I never resonated with heterosexual. I'm like, I'm not straight. Like, it just didn't feel right. I don't know. Just it never felt right. And I remember just being like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a sexual person. Like I'm just a sexual person. I just, I love sex. Like I love people, whatever. And then actually when, <laughs> so funny story, when I got into Coochie and I did the application, I wrote queer in the application, but then my little 19 year old self baby queer in like a room full of 20 people, we had to identify our sexual orientation. And I was like, uh, I'm straight. No. And I remember looked at me and they were like what the fuck you know like okay because I was so scared of like being like I'm queer you know so for me it's just like I don't like I, I feel like my sexuality is so incredibly fluid and sometimes these labels kind of feel restrictive like oh if I'm if I say that I'm gay like okay I only date like women you know what I mean and like oh I like straight I only date men bisexual whatever whatever right so 
I think queer for me does feel really freeing. It just also feels like I just like humans, you know, like I'm just really into human beings. Like I don't give a fuck what your gender is. Like you're hot, you're sexy. You got a great personality. You're conscious as fuck. Like, let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, why does that have to be a factor? I guess for me, if I had to identify with something that maybe is closest, I would either be pansexual or bisexual. But even then, I'm just like, I'm a human that really likes humans. And like, that just feels more authentic and in tuned with me. If you're a human being, then you have, you have a chance with me. <laughs> you know? Love it. Yes. Yes to all the time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. How do you weigh in? I mean, this is the ongoing discussion. We should do a whole episode on this. I, right now, I don't know why I don't identify with queer, though I just got close to it when you said, I think, Jacqueline, you said, just not straight, which I'm like, oh, if I think about it in those terms, I'm like, that that resonates with me. And then I think, Jocelyn, we feel the same way. I feel the same way as you, which is this idea, like, if you're a human, you have a shot. And then if people ask me what my sexual orientation is, my answer is um, is a cheeky particular so if people say what's your sexual orientation i'll say particular and that just means i am generally like particular about the people that i have sex with but not for the reasons that that it has anything to do with my orientation it's not that your gender uh or your sexual expression that is you know that is particular i'm particular about i'm just particular about the people themselves and 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 as long as they're a human being consenting human being that i have the hots for and that that could really mean like that comes in any shape size form then i'm you know that i'm game but it's it's not like my my particularity isn't about gender it's just about a bunch of other things and then you know like you said if you're a human being consenting human being and i have the hots for you yeah game on (laughs) a few years ago i remember i met like this guy at a bar and he was super hot and then like we went back to my place and he like chugged like a cup of like a, a can of beer crushed it and threw it and i was like great knowing you um <laughs> i'm gonna go inside like you can go home because i'm like Ugh, a litter i don't want to like have <laughs> this. So yeah. i understand like, particularity like there's like some things in a human that like i would particularly like to have if i'm gonna get one of them is don't let her <laughs> yes exactly exactly it's like an intellectual connection it's like value systems like there's just so many things that need to align for me um just gender and orientation is just not one of those things mm-hmm. but there are just like a bunch of other things that need to align so that's kind of where i where i end up yeah and then the queerness thing i just got close to it jackie with you saying just not straight i'm like okay okay i can i can maybe get behind that it took me a little bit. It took me a little bit. Now I'm interested because we're, we're talking, essentially we're saying it doesn't matter what's in between someone's legs, right? Like we're, it's their vibe. It's if, like you said, you're, you're, you're conscious, you are thoughtful, you, we have shared values, you're hot. And this is similar to what you're going to be talking to us about on Wednesday around it is not, let's not just focus about what is in between people's legs. And so I wanted to spend some time in that space because I've certainly been in relationships where sex meant, you know, what, (laughs) as Effie describes it, hard penis, wet vagina. Like that's those two things equal sex. And it wasn't until frankly, I started to have sex with women that I was like, Oh my gosh, there's so much more. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh So 
so yeah so let's i mean can you give us like a little sneak peek of what's going to happen on, on wednesday like tell us you know what are the erogenous zones outside of the the core areas that we know and love yeah so before i get to that i just wanted to say it's so interesting to me like the questions that i because you know i get i get a lot of questions on my instagram or on my tiktok of people just like wanting to know things and i always find it fascinating when people are like you know, I get women, they're like, I'm going to have sex with a woman for the first time. And like, I don't know what to do. Like, do you have any tips? Like, what do women like? Or like, even men will be like, what do women like? Or like, you know, guys will be like, I'm going to have sex with a guy for the first time. Like, what do guys like? And you know, here's the thing about genitalia and sex. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Tell you, quote unquote, what a vulva owner enjoys. You know what I mean? Like, because that vulva owner is different from me, is different from my partner. It's just different. You know what I'm saying? So, at the end of the day, the best thing to do if you're going to engage with someone sexually, whatever they have in between their legs, okay, is ask, you know, what do you like? Do you like this? Do you like that? Does this feel good? Does that feel good? And that's just all it is. And I think that at the core, like, there's so many things that we use for great sex, but really, all it really takes, and honestly, is the most challenging part is just having clear, open and honest communication. And it's like, if you got that, no matter what someone's body looks like, you can have great sex. What I'm hearing you say is that it is about curiosity. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's true. It's just asking, hey, what do you, what do you, I always like to do like the restaurant analogy where I'm like, if I'm at a restaurant and the waiter comes to me and says, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you think I want? (laughs) Like the waiter's going to be like, you know what I mean? But if I'm like, hey, like I would love the vegan burger with like French fries and the waiter's going to be like, dope, coming right up. And if the order gets wrong, then I, if the order is wrong, then I say, hey, my order is wrong. Can you maybe change this up? Right. That's how sex is. Like, what do you like? I want to be spanked on the butt with a flogger. Wonderful. Oh, that didn't feel right. Can you do it this way? Awesome. Great. Now we're having a good time. Yeah. But yeah, no. So I'm super excited for the Erogenous Zone workshop. That was actually a workshop that I learned through Coochie. I talk about Coochie a lot. Shout out to Coochie. Coochie changed my life, honestly. It's just, it was literally a small collective of queer folks here in LA who were, who were like, we need to create spaces for sexuality around queer and trans identities opened my eyes beautiful and so usually this workshop is done in person um i kind of switched it up to do it virtually you know because of everything going on but what this workshop does is challenge the ways not only that we see erogenous zones but also how we treat those erogenous zones so for example i have dated people that are trans that are queer and the way that they treat their genitalia maybe is not traditionally how we have been taught to treat genitalia, right? And so what this workshop is going to do is really encourage us to question how we want our body parts to be treated and to know that it doesn't matter the label of what's in between your legs, but it's about what you enjoy and what don't you enjoy, okay? And so that's a really big part of it is like everyone treats the genitalia differently. So like, let's figure out what you like and let's talk about how you can have an open conversation with someone else. Another part of it is like figuring out other erogenous zones in your body, right? So there's going to be like, we're going to do like an anatomy. There's going to be like a, 
like a human person and not a human person, but like a, a diagram and just having people point out the parts of their body they like. There are different erogenous zones in our bodies, but what I want this with this workshop essentially is encouraging is the notion that your entire body is an erogenous zone. And it's about understanding right. what you like and what you don't like, right? So, like, I can be like, I love to get spanked hard on my ass. And, like, that is my erogenous zone. Someone else could be like, I fucking hate that. Don't don't ever do that to me. You know what I mean? Or some people feel like, I, really, I like really light touches in between my thighs. Or I really love, like, the back of my neck to be, like, massaged, right? So it's about understanding what you enjoy, um, the pressure of it, the type of sensation, and where. So we all, we're also, I'm also going to be encouraging participants to um, touch different parts of their bodies um, and just kind of see what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And um, that's going to also be really telling. And another reason why I love this particular workshop is because my biggest passion as a sex educator and a sex coach is creating spaces to talk about this. So where are you gonna where are you gonna go work out at the gym? Where do you go for to shop for food at the grocery store? Where do you go to worship God at the church? Where do you go, I don't know, to to get money at the bank, right? Where in society do you go to have open discussions around sexuality? Literally nowhere. So creating these spaces to be able to be like, in this space, we're going to talk about your sexual expression and it's welcomed and it's encouraged and it's celebrated is revolutionary. And that's what this workshop encourages folks to do is to be able to say, I really enjoy X, Y, and Z. I actually know for a fact I don't like X, Y, and Z. And that's powerful because if you can talk about that in a workshop, then you can talk about that with your partner a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And permission even to explore to figure out what that is so that you can figure out, do I like the spanking? Do I like soft touch? Do I like hard touch? Like, let's just play and see and explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that um, you're creating, a, like you are giving the foundations and tools for a dialogue because I can tell at least from my experience, and I, I, I know there are many people out there who feel the same way, which is those things shift for me. What feels hot in one minute or what feels hot in one session might just be like, you the next like I might be in a state where I really like light touch in my inner you know my inner thigh with like the very tips of your fingers and then if you do that when I'm you know really amped up then it just feels really irritating like I just I'm just like ah get it off me so I think oh, um, giving people tools and guidance on how you can talk about the stuff and how you can discuss it and then you give them language and 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 how to kind of break it down i think it also means that it can be a continuous dialogue and they realize that our bodies our senses changes and then we can and it's okay to con- continuously update check in first and foremost like check in is this still feel good and then be able to talk about it to your partner in the moment and then also for your partner to be able to ask the questions and then get feedback and adjust and it sounds like the way that you are laying this this session out, this workshop out, it is really less about pointing out like, this is a hot zone, this is not a hot zone, but more about like, how do you have the conversations to discover your own hot zones and erogenous zones? And and by the way, they may also change. So this is actually like a, a continuous practice. Yes. And, and also, oh, I love everything that you just said. Absolutely. Like when I, I, was, I did a blowjob workshop a few weeks ago and I love this meme. It was like an Austin Powers meme. But I love it because it said, 
what is it today, baby? Spits or swallows. And I love it because it's like, what is it today, right? Today, mm-hmm. I'm into this. Tomorrow, I may not be into this, right? But it's about having that ongoing conversation. Um, and also, people learn how to communicate things that are acceptable in society. We learn how to order food, right? We learn how to do masks. We learn how to, I don't know, there's just like forms of communication that we just learn how to do throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. We are never taught to learn how to communicate, how to express our needs and our desires sexually. And so workshops are like practices. Even more than that, we're not only not taught how not to do it or how to do it, we are actively taught to be ashamed of it. Going back to what we talked about in the beginning, not only was I not taught how to ask, I was taught even thinking about it was wrong. Right. I couldn't even ask the question. I couldn't even give it language, let alone then learn how to ask that question. And so there's so much power in Number one, creating space for the dialogue, creating space for for play and for figuring it out and for curiosity and for people changing their minds. And maybe I liked that yesterday and I don't like that today. And just being present with someone, paying attention to what you like and communicating that, paying attention to someone else likes and being responsive to that, all of it. And and also to that, there's a lot of layers, but I do just want to say it's also understanding that if your partner tells you that something that you're doing, they're not enjoying, it literally has nothing to do with your value as a sexual partner, right? It's, it's about, they just don't like it. And like, that's okay. It's just like, just reset, redirect. It's all good. Um, because I do get lots of messages online from individuals that say, if I tell my partner I don't like something that they do, they get mad at me. Or if I say something, oh, they're going to get, I'm scared of hurting their feelings, right? So then there's like that fear of like taking up space. There's that fear of like not being validated, not being seen, and also hurting someone else's feelings. So not only being able to add, like give feedback, but also take feedback and learn that like, it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you as a person. So if you and your partner or partners should all come on October 14th, because I think that mm-hmm. this will really help give you both the language of how to communicate what you want. You'll be able then to have shared language, to be able to have conversations with your partners around what they want. So let's make it a fun date night on Wednesday. Let's just yes. all, like, let's get cozy and let's get oh, sexy man. and let's come together and let's learn. Let's create that space to your point. Absolutely. We go to the bank, we go to the grocery store, we go to church. Let's go to the virtual curiosity salon, right? Let's learn something. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. So I've decided a few things in this conversation. I have decided that Jocelyn and I are going to be friends. That's the first thing. (laughs) 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 I have decided that you have to come back and talk more because I feel like we just scratched the surface of your story. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just so much more we need to dialogue about. And I've decided that I, you know, Effie and I started the conversation today before you joined and talking about how, I just get so excited and I can't sit still and I'm doing lots of things. And, and really what honestly, what this conversation brought to me is about being present again, being still mm-hmm. in myself, being still with somebody else and really paying attention to what's happening in my body and in their body and doing it with gratitude for my higher, my higher power who, you know, who made all this possible. And so I am excited about Wednesday. I'm excited about Wednesday. All right. Before we let you go though, 
we are going to do some rapid fire questions. And so uh, first thing that comes into your mind. So the first question is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about love, sex, and relationships? Uncomfortable feelings are, are okay and they won't kill you. So no matter how afraid you are to speak your truth, you get because you'll feel better afterwards. Yes. <laughs> and that's great sex, you got to speak your truth and you can do it, I believe in you. Also, stop straightening your hair. You're ruining your curls. <laughs> yes. I went back to my curls during COVID. Yes. I'm straightening my hair and I went to my curls. Can we talk about that? Yes. So, oh yes. my God. Yes. I am very pro curls on both of you. Yeah. Um, so, yes. No more straightening curls. Oh, such a good answer. No more. Okay. Next question. What is one romantic or sexual adventure for your bucket list? I, yes. Um, so my partner and I are currently working towards non-monogamy. So we're reading the ethical slut together. Also, my goal is to travel the world in a few months, hopefully when everything gets better. I would just love to have like a beautiful non-monogamous polyamorous relationship. Yeah. That, is, that is the next step in my sexual journey. You've come to the right place. Yes. Um, okay. So how do you Jocelyn challenge the status quo? By being who I am. I am, I mean, I'm Latina, I'm bilingual, I am queer. And one thing that I actually find fascinating is how many Latinas I've actually welcomed into my space. When I do workshops, a lot of the people that come into my workshops are Latinas. And so giving individuals someone that they can look at and say, whoa, she looks like me. Cause I never had that growing up and um, just being empowered in my identity, I think is how I challenge status quo. Talk also talking about pleasure. Pleasure is at the forefront of everything that I do. So let's talk about enjoying sex. Woo. Yes, please. To be honest, we searched high and low for you because one of the things that we were looking for, we were always looking for diversity and representation and different points of views. And uh, we were looking for a Latina sex educator. And there are there there aren't that many of there aren't that many of you. So thank you for doing the work that you do. There definitely needs to be more. One of our ambition is actually to do programming in Spanish. I am all you hablo español perfectamente bien, me encantaría. Yes, 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 yes. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. That is my dream. That is my dream. Yes. It is also our dream. So you can be a part of our dream. It's been on our vision board. It's been on our, it's just about managing capacity, but it's definitely, we're looking for, I, I am, I've been passionate about this for a long time, doing this education in, in Spanish, even though I don't speak Spanish, but I just know that there is a need for it. And I think it is in, for the U.S. It's so important. Um, it is, it's, it's so so important so yeah so it's I'm, I'm amazed it's just amazing to hear that and thank you for the work that you do last question is what are you curious about lately oh um i've been really curious about anal sex lately so i'm gonna out myself and say that i've actually never had full-blown anal sex i can tell you how to have anal sex i know all the tools that do it but that is something that i've i'm like i've never just i just never have had the opportunity so i want to like explore my booty a little bit more so that's what i've been curious about lately <laughs> now we need some booty love yeah absolutely <laughs> so i love that conversation that we just had first of all anytime that i meet somebody who like understands okay 
there's too much happening right now in my mind. Cause I think I was so <laughs> going back to the fact that I can't sit still now because my body can't move. My brain is going crazy. Also, I think let's just name in that you had a friend crush on her. <laughs> yeah. You know, first of all, I was thinking about that. I was like, do I have a crush crush or do I, I definitely think I have a friend crush on her. I think that because there's so much about her story that resonates with me that any time that you have those moments where it's like, yes, me too, that it just feels so refreshing mm -hmm. that I just want to be in that more. And that was actually one of my takeaways is that the effort that it takes to peel off the layers of religion and culture and gender roles and ideas of who we should be and what we should do, that all of that really does define who we are. And there were so many touch points in her story that I resonated with. So yes, absolute friend crush, number one. Number two, really happy to be having a conversation with a badass Latina woman in the midst of Hispanic Heritage Month. Right. So that makes me very happy. Yes. Yes. So to all of our, you know, Latina, Latino, Latinx, Hispanic foxes out there, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. And and of course, leave it to, to I don't know why it would be the Hispanic culture and group that our Hispanic heritage actually goes across two months. So it starts on September 15th and it moves into October 15th. Yeah. Um, and so the, the reason for that is that September 15th, the, the middle of that month actually marks the anniversary of independence for a number of Hispanic countries. And so that's why it starts mm -hmm. mid-month. But yes, celebrating that. So that was really fun to be able to do that. And I think that some of my takeaways were really around the intersection of all the work that we do, essentially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the conversation that you just had with Jesse around sensuality and sensitivity. And what I loved from that conversation in that workshop was around like the buildup then let's mm -hmm. just not go straight to it. But like, where are you going to touch and where are you going to build up the energy? And what are you going to say that I love that buildup? Mm -hmm. And I think that was some of what Jocelyn was saying today was being, having, being present, mm -hmm. allowing for communication, allowing for that buildup. That's so much sexier than just diving right into it. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to dive right into it. Let's do that too. Right. But let's also take our time and play with some of the other areas before we dig in. So that really stuck with me. The conversation that we had around uh, religion made me think of our conversation with Marie, our up conversation with DeAndrea, that there are just so many points of intersect between the things that create shame, the things that, that stop us from communicating, and that what we should be doing, as always, is just know ourselves, mm -hmm. communicate, mm -hmm. you know, explore, be curious. So all those things were, yeah. were takeaways for me. Mm -hmm. Serendipitously. I think this conversation falls in the middle of, in terms of the religious stuff, this conversation I think falls in the middle of the conversation we had with Marie Lafant and the, mm -hmm. the conversation we're going to have with yes. uh, DeAndrea Blaylock Johnson because uh, Marie was very much done with religion, hurt, upset, doesn't serve her in any way, uh, felt very stifled by religion in every way and kind of like shed, shed all that. And now um, is all about free expression and, and kind of exploring all the things for her. 
Um, and then the Andrea is all about embracing all of that and sexuality at the same time. So like being very religious, being it's be, it's okay to be religious and be sexually expressed mm-hmm. and, and like a, a way of sort of embracing all at the same time. And then I felt like the conversation or at least where Jocelyn is like somewhere in the middle where she mm-hmm. hasn't quite, you know, she's, she has her own interpretation of a higher power and spirituality and, and sort of touches on religion in a way that, faith associated she touches on faith in her own way mm-hmm. and is also you know it, it's important for her to be sexually fully self-expressed um so yeah. i feel like we're kind of a, a nice it's, it's like a nice journey from one mm-hmm. end to the other with this one in the middle so i thought that was really interesting and i think the fact that she shared for example like i mean i've shared on this podcast about my journey in, in terms of masturbation and really having deep shame and and religious fear around it to getting to a place of feeling comfortable and i thought that i felt really comfortable with masturbation but you know jocelyn talked about thanking god afterwards and saying that was a great orgasm thanks god i was like yeah. whoa that's <laughs> i haven't gotten there yet like that's yeah. amazing that was like whole new hashtag you know masturbation goals totally no i got that too i was like good for you lady I mean, it makes sense, right? Because if we are created in in her own image, and that we get to, we have these parts that are purely for pleasure. And if that's what you, know, if that's what you believe, why not? Thank God for for all the things, all the the beautiful, juicy, delicious um, feelings mm-hmm. and and orgasms. So yeah, I totally got that. When she said that, I was like, yes, I love the way you're you're going about that. So no, it was it was a great conversation. I thought it was nice getting to know her. As I said um, in the conversation as well, we searched high and low for her. So definitely we need more Latina, Hispanic sex educators out there. I think it's really important for your culture. Yeah, I agree. If you're out there, reach out to us. Yes, please. Let's do it in multiple languages. Love that idea. Because I think that the fact is, again, this conversation around how to do things differently, we we are going to be engaging soon in the conversations around culture and, and relationship and culture and non-monogamy. And we've been dialoguing about, have these things existed? And I think when we had a conversation with Carolyn about her coming out process within mm-hmm. and having the conversation about wanting an open relationship, she shared that open relationships existed with in her family. Mm-hmm. They were just not consensual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that people had other partners or they had other families in some cases and it was understood and there were agreements around that, if you will, but it wasn't really consensual. It wasn't really out in the open. And so I think that's also an important thing to talk about when it comes to culture is that in some cases, these, these behaviors of not having a traditional relationship exist, but it doesn't exist in the healthiest way. Where the mm-hmm. way it's been role modeled to us meant that it happens in secrecy or it happens with shame wrapped around it. And so I love the fact that there's more opportunities for conversation about all these things. And it, every time we have these conversations, it just makes me think. I started to go back and, and think to myself, okay, well, what are the spots that aren't being given as enough to love? Mm-hmm. Like, are we heading right into it? I thought after that, I was like, oh, I need to go back to my partner and say, let's, let's stop and play some more. Totally, totally. I think we, we just sometimes get so into it. We just want to like jump right in. Like, yeah. let's let's take a step back. Yeah. Let's get some to, to Jesse Fresh's point, right? I want to feel your energy from five, from five feet away, yeah. right? Let's start there. For sure, yeah. And then like when when the touch comes, let's start from like the crown of your head all the way down to the sole of your feet. And then yeah. explore and see what feels good and what doesn't feel good and all the different types of touch and all the def- different ways mm-hmm. of exploring. Let's make that happen. 
I was thinking about that when she was talking about the types of touch. Like I do prefer softer touch. My partner likes really like like much firmer. Anytime that I go to her and it's like soft, it makes her feel super uncomfortable. And I have to remember like, no, 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 pressure, pressure. And if she goes to me too hard, I'm like, oh, no, I don't like that at all. And so she has to go soft. And so really, again, knowing somebody else's body. And so I think that for the workshop that's coming up, if you can come with your partner, with your people, with whomever it is that you are playing with or interested in playing with, that this can spark some really great conversation. And immediately thereafter, maybe some testing of what you just learned in class. Mm -hmm. Like maybe maybe there was some play work involved afterwards. For sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is going to be one of those like hands-on workshops that we've done before. Um, And she normally, she would do it in person and there's a demo model. Unfortunately, we're not getting a demo model because it's COVID. Boo-hoo. But why not find a demo model for yourself? I.e. the the, the person who is with you, the people who are with you. If not, your Mm -hmm. own body. Why not afterwards spend an evening with your own body and explore your own body and test out all the different parts and all the different, different touches and all the different ways of exploring. Why not a date with yourself? Then thank your higher power for all the amazing (laughs) orgasms. Thank Jocelyn. (laughs) Thank your higher power. Nice. (laughs) I love it. So if you're ready to go on this adventure with us and discover the erogenous zones beyond the explored territories, Then join us on Wednesday, October 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern in the Virtual Curiosity Salon. Jocelyn will help us to map out the erogenous zones that are not genitals, giving us an opportunity to learn about other parts of the body that can be stimulated to bring pleasure without defaulting to simply what's between our legs. Tickets are available on our Facebook page, on our Instagram bio, on our website by searching We Are Curious Foxes. And as always, if you're not able to join us or if you're listening from the future, not to worry. You can watch the recording of the workshop on Patreon, all of our workshops from all of our COVID virtual workshops to the ones that we did when we were actually in person. They're all on Patreon and you can access those as well as get free tickets to our events, discounted tickets, exclusive events and more. And you'll be supporting the work that we are doing to bring this information and this inspiration and change the noise. And you can learn more about Jocelyn and her work by visiting her website at jocelynsilva.com and on IG at sexcoachjocelyn. You can follow us while you're on there. We are Curious Foxes, Facebook and Instagram. We encourage you to please go onto Instagram and click on that blue follow button. We continue to share with you our frustration around being censored and shadow banned. And the only antidote to that, it sounds like, is to have a bigger community. And so the more voices that we have, the more engagement, it sounds like that will help beat the algorithm. So please go onto Instagram and do that. And then like and review this podcast while you have your phone in your hand and you're doing all this Curious Fox stuff before you switch and listen to a different podcast and continue about your day. Just press like shoot a review, share this podcast with somebody, help us change the noise. And if you have ideas about what we can be doing on this podcast or in any of our events, you can shoot us an email at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com or you can actually call us, leave a voice message, and we'll play it on a future episode and answer that question at 201-870-0063. And uh, thank you, folks, for listening. And of course, as always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. 
We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind, and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. 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 Stay curious.